Hi everyone, this is Corina and Angel. Welcome to The Human Show, proudly presented and supported by worldpodcast.com. Here we explore the relationships between people, technology and business. Join us on this journey where we interview anthropologists, other researchers and industry people from all over the world, from India to Kenya, US, Europe, to right back here in New Zealand. Hi friends, in today's episode we are talking to Gemma John, anthropologist and applied researcher in built environment and one of the speakers at the Why the World is Anthropology event happening in Oslo on October 25th, 2019 on the theme of sustaining cities. In today's episode, we talk to Gemma about the role and value of the anthropologist in the field of built environment. She invites us to reflect on the knowledge and its relation to the environment and to be aware of its interdependency. In a time when industry is beginning to look at social scientists for answers, how do we step in as anthropologists while making sure we maintain our critical stance? Everyone is now obliged to think in terms of social value, so how can social scientists assist by providing those solutions? Gemma also gives us some insight into her talk at the conference. Quick mention before going into the episode, we've been experimenting here at The Human Show with a new podcasting platform called Zencaster, and we might hear in one or two places an overlap, and I apologize in advance for that. We have did a trial run with that Zencaster and it didn't really proved to be um, better than what we use right now. But uh, for this episode, we apologize for any interference you might hear coming from that. Again, we hope you enjoy it. Um, hi, friends. We are here today with Gemma John, the founder of Human Cities. Hi, Gemma. Hi. Gemma is also one of the one of the speakers of the Why the World is Anthropology conference happening now in a few weeks' time in Oslo. Ooh, time is flying. Um, so we've brought Gemma here today on the podcast to tell us a little bit more about um, the topic she will be speaking to at the conference. But before we dive into that, Gemma, would you like to tell me and our listeners a little bit about you um, and your path with anthropology and the applied space? Yes. Uh, I don't know how far back you want me to go, but um, I've been, so just talking about recent history, I've been um, in applied research now for the last five or so years. Um, I actually work in, uh, I did work in architecture, so I moved into working in an architecture practice, um, architecture planning um, organization, first of all, ACOM, and then uh, the well-known architects practice, Foster and Partners. Um, and then recently set up Human City. And at Human City, I found myself uh, working not so much with architects, but more um, the organizations that actually own large chunks of cities and towns. So they're called asset owners um, to help them uh, manage those spaces um, in the interests of, of wider communities. Um, but I tr transitioned from academia, um, anthropology, um, at about 2014 into um, applied research, um, mostly within architecture initially. Okay. And, and what brought you to the conference, to, um, to this year's event in Oslo? So uh, I was invited uh, because the focus is on uh, sustaining cities. Um, and that's a, a, a fascinating uh, point of intersection for, for academic research and, and um, industry because it's a question that's uh, pertinent to both, both, both audiences. Um, so industry is, is grappling with the question of, of sustaining or sustaining cities. 
um, in light of the fact that large, you know, there are lots of stories around numbers of people moving to cities, um, young people not being able to to afford rental accommodation in cities, um, how high house the high price of housing, you'll find this in Amsterdam mm, yes. as, as much as anywhere else in London, where land prices have meant that that, that um, developers, uh, you know, people who are, are building houses both in the private and public sector are just not making these housing this housing available to people at, at reasonable cost. Um, and what initiatives are in play to ensure that actually accommodation is is available and accessible to young people and mm. beyond. You know, we're talking key workers and others. So, I mean, this, this question of sustaining cities from a social angle as well as an environmental and an economic perspective is, is something that's been thought about um, with industry and it's a, it's opening up a space for uh, social anthropologists and other social scientists to step in and also um, help with that mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of a dialogue between um, industry and, and academia. What's the origin of your personal interest in it? Uh, so when I was an academic, I looked at, um, I guess, the anthropology of knowledge. So that was where my focus of attention was. Um, totally unrelated topic. It wasn't architecture and design. But um, what I was looking at was uh, transformations in local government um, back in 2005, which were around increasing access to information within the government and local government via something called mm-hmm. freedom information legislation, which uh, was in existence in the rest of Europe um, and the USA, but had just been brought into force in the UK in about 2005. And so it really had an impact on on the relationship between government and citizens um, uh, in as much citizens were, were able to access more information and understand what was going on in their local community in a much more tangible way. Um, And uh, so that led me to an interest in in the study of knowledge and um, ideas of transparency and um, when when knowledge happened, you know, so the fact that people get access to information doesn't necessarily mean it leads to knowledge in any kind of respect. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what knowledge was in a more philosophical kind of sociological uh, way. And actually, I realized there was a real uh, link between that question of what is knowledge and what was going on in the built environment. It's a bit, it seems a bit of a strange leap. But actually, if you think about knowledge and knowledge economy, actually transforming not only how we're thinking about uh, what knowledge we want to get access to, but how that then changes our relationships with um, the state and with organizations as citizens, that was having a visceral and, and, and real effect on how the built environment was being organized and, uh, and designed. So it's, it's kind of in about 2011, for example, one of our local councils in London decided to turn it into a, itself into a cooperative council. And that meant that not only did it have more immediate relationship with citizens, but it meant it was beginning to change its interior, the interior of the actual council building so that, that, that people had more immediate access to staff, for example. So, you know, very kind of philosophical, very um, uh, intellectual questions about what is knowledge then led to very clear um, transformations in interior and then exterior spaces and beyond. Um, and so I ended up working in um, in the world of work. I moved into looking at uh, working in a um, an organization that specialized in in the changing or the future of work um, and the changing nature of um, work, the workplace. And that was, again, a direct result of the fact that um, changing understandings and practices around knowledge and knowledge making had directly led to 
Um, and then that exacerbated by how we use um, technology to, to access and, and create information in different ways and, and, and leads to different questions around what is knowledge led to um, real design uh, solutions around how do you support those new practices with regard to, to work and how we work. Uh, Will this be something that you capture within your your um, your talk as well? Or do you have a, a different angle into into the conference and the team? I think what I'm talking about, uh, particularly at the conference, is, is the work that we've been doing at Human City more recently, which has been around these housing solutions. Um, and again, it's, a, it's, it's, it's all part of the same conversation in as much as if we're thinking about knowledge in different ways, the way in which knowledge is created, accessed and used, um, that has not only led to different ways of working in different places in which we might think about work, but also different ways of living. Um, and so in this moment where people can potentially live and work anywhere um, and in conjunction with the, the rising price of housing um, and cost of, of living in cities, um, the built environment and people who are designing buildings and owning buildings are having to w work harder, you know, work really hard to, to attract people to, to cities in, a, in a, an affordable and a sustainable way. Um, and so that's led to lots of new solutions around what, what affordable housing could look like, and particularly this idea of shared housing, um, things called co-living. I mean, there's a wonderful example in Amsterdam, something called City Hub, that's been set up, which is kind of a, a hybrid, uh, kind of mm -hmm. a little bit in between a hotel and a, and a home where people are attracted for short periods of time um, to stay. And, you know, these, raise, these, these solutions raise as many questions as they do to provide answers, you know, it is this, I mean, I, I, and so what I'm trying to do in our, my talk for Yasser and, and why the world needs anthropologists is to, mm -hmm. to ask, I guess a little bit provocative, which yeah. is how can an anthropologist intervene in these changes and these, in, and help um, with these solutions, but also take uh, a more critical stance. But how have you seen your value as, a, as an anthropologist or, you know, the things that you learn kind of being seen also as valuable or producing effect in, the, in these type of projects? That's a really interesting question, um, and it's something that I think is a, it's opening. There's it, it a real opportunity for anthropologists at the moment in the built environment, particularly, and but I think more broadly um, mm -hmm. across in the kind of the applied sphere um, is that, uh, as I said right at the start, is that um, the built environment or built environment professionals are themselves asking these kinds of questions of what is sustainability, um, and there's a particular focus at the moment on something called social value or social impact. People are voting with their feet and um, people, tenants themselves, potential buyers or, or renters are, are saying that actually wider community benefit matters. Um, and it really matters for, um, for their experience in a particular home or, or workplace. So for that reason, um, the built environment is beginning to take seriously what, what, what might be called social impact, social value. Um, and that's, that's allowing social scientists to step in and say, okay, let, let us help you work out what that looks like. Um, and so it's really opening up a space for, and a, a kind of critical space for, uh, because social value is as yet under, undefined. Yeah. Um, what, what, how, how can anthropologists help define that? Yeah. What type of questions do they have? And, and how do you go about maybe building or provoking building of questions? Sorry. Well, so there are lots of, it's very been very interesting for me as an anthropologist because uh, I would say architects, mm -hmm. people in the built environment would say that they do do their own research, right? So it's not like they don't think about these things. They do do their own research. And they would say that, you know, in many respects, they are experts in understanding people and human behavior. 
but they have very different I would say as an anthropologist that there's yeah. a very there are very different ways of approaching the same question and I think that that opens up a, a kind of interdisciplinary yeah. conversation around well, what is an anthropologist doing and what value can and she add to that conversation um and I would say that um and this kind of goes back to my reference to embodied practice a little bit in in my abstract and my description of what I will talk about is that um uh, we are, you know, intrinsically as anthropologists, we're taught to think about what it means to be human, which is a very special question. Um, and it's not, not a question that is often asked of, of, you know, even though people are very good at, at, at other disciplines might be very good at talk, thinking about human behaviour, they, they don't necessarily go to the depths that anthropologists do to, to reflect on what it means to be human. Um, and the different perspectives that gives us all in and, and different kind of lived experiences than we each have as a result so that's that's kind of what anthropologists bring to the equation. I guess that's my community at the moment, and uh, I've found that um, I'm able to connect with centres that are have just also set themselves up, mm-hmm. um, such as, for example, the Institute of Global Prosperity, run by Henrietta Moore. I'm um, engaging with that um, at the moment um, because they are. A centre that are, are, you know, almost coming the other way. So they're kind of academic practitioner rather than practitioner academic. Um, and so they are also engaging with questions such as social value, social impact, um, and actually also um, trying to advise the public sector around what public what social impact might look like and how you might measure it. So, you know, that's an academic institution asking quite practical questions around um, what is sustainable solution for a particular city might look like in the context of of a building or a, a kind of a master plan so that's great so that and since that's my community is, is working with centers that and, and individuals who are also very intrigued and interested in uh, what's going on um in cities and how they can nice. intervene and help um provide practical solutions but I was wondering, any any um, any any question or thoughts do you have for those that will um, that will come to the conference to listen to your uh, to your talk? I think it's an encouraging moment. Um, you know, business itself is in a kind of moment of crisis. And they're looking to social science, and I think it's this is this is a moment for us to kind of mm-hmm. step in and say, okay, so what do we have to offer? Um, what are what would you like would you like to say? And as I said, going back to something I was saying earlier, which is, you know, how can we both embrace this opportunity, but also take a take a critical stance, which is what we're um, equipped to do. How do we engage? Um, what what how, and what way do we want to engage um, with these questions? Um, how how much of an activist do we want to be as, as a community, um, but also as individuals in pushing and persuading um, companies to to operate in different ways. Um, um, yeah. Any any final any final thoughts for uh, before the conference, Gemma? Or um, if not, thank you so much for being with us today, and I'm looking forward to, to meeting you in in person too. Fantastic. Thanks. So yeah, I mean, I, I'd encourage people to ask or send questions. I'm really keen to answer questions about um, practical questions about what um, how you get to work in the bump environment. I've had quite a few people approach me on LinkedIn, um, which is great. People doing PhDs, finishing PhDs, doing MSCs, wanting to know how they work for 
big organizations um, as an anthropologist. I don't necessarily have all the answers, but I can certainly give detail around what my story is. See you in Oslo. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening, everyone. Follow us on our social media channels and look at the show notes for links to our speaker's work. Join us next time for more interesting conversations.